0: John chapter 1, it's one of my favorite passages in all the world, and I'm reading, I think, out of the NIV, so if I mess it up, it's because I memorized it in the King James. Okay? So if I mess up, just realize that I'm over 55 now, and sometimes you just can't read properly. Earlier, it was 50, so I guess I'm doing well. Follow with me. I will probably make some comments as we go, and then... I get to preach about 30 minutes or so and uh, talk to you about the creation for a little bit. I believe we can have confidence and even godfidence that God created the heavens and the earth. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to hide our head. We don't have to worry about the intellectual argument that we're somehow dumb toads because we believe the Bible. We can trust God that He really did from the beginning Create the worlds as we see them. We can trust God with that. So let's read this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Let that soak in. You're never supposed to pick notes up when they fall on the ground. It's what they told me in school. Thank you, I did it anyway. Says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that's been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. In other words, when there's darkness and light's turned on, it annihilates the darkness. Even with a tiny, tiny candle in the midst of this dark room, you would get flickers of light that would annihilate the darkness and cause you to be able to see how to get out of this room. It's an amazing thing. And then he says, "...there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe." He himself was not the light. He came only as witness of the light. The true light that lights every man, gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision, nor of the husband's will, but born of God. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Did you just catch what that said? This passage just said that the word we were just talking about in verse 1, who is in the beginning with God and is God and was God and created everything, became flesh and made his dwelling among us as human beings. We know that is Jesus Christ. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And John testified concerning him, He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. That's that's a tongue twister. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, the only begotten of the Father, King James says, who is in himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. Now, that's who we're talking about today. It's this this Jesus, this word that in the beginning, we can have this god if you want to call it that, since you're in that, I thought I would try that on you, that in the beginning, God. Just think about that for a second, that before anything else ever was, ever could be, God was. Before anything was ever created, everything that's ever been created came from him and out of him, proceeding and emerging out of him. In fact, the word made here in the Greek means that it emerged from him. He says everything that emerged, emerged from him. That's what that word made means. So that simply says to me that God was there and always has been before anything else has ever been. I know you guys, I'm preaching to the choir, but there's just something powerful about recognizing that in the beginning, God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. He was there. He encompasses all things. He's everywhere all the time. In fact, God is omnipotent. I think that's the next slide. I hope it is. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time. Now, remember, God's not, God is not everything all the time. God is everywhere all the time. When God is everything all the time, then that's animism. But when God is everywhere all the time, that's omnipresence. Those are two different things. And then there's this whole idea of omniscience in that God knows all things. Now, maybe that's hard for you to grasp. But guys, it's as simple as believing that God is and that he, he, he has a plan for our lives. I think I can trust him to do that. God is unchanging. Now, some people say, I don't like that God of the Old Testament they'll say, oh, he was mean. He knocked people in the head. He chopped people's heads off. But the truth is, God hasn't changed from the beginning of time. He's never stopped being who he is, never stopped being a God of love, never stopped being a God of character and compassion and holiness and purity and completeness. He's always been that. He's never changed. The God of the New Testament that we like to talk about, who loves us with his grace and gives us favor that's unmerited, is the same God from the beginning of time that created the universe. And you and I can trust that, that God is, God is, God is. He's holy. We could spend a lot of time there. I'm not going to. He is love. He is not a lover. He is love. His whole character flows love. He's not a man that he should lie. I know that sometimes we want to believe that we're like God, but sometimes we just can't tell the truth. Have you ever noticed that? Just turn the news on. I was trying to get some news this morning. Because I hadn't watched it yesterday at all. And I'm just amazed. I don't think you can believe anybody on the news. You just have to accept that they're lying and hedge for truth. Okay, don't laugh. It's okay. God is not boxed in by time. He lives outside of the whole realm of time. You and I are constrained by time. We're born into the world. We begin dying, and we live till we're dead. And some of us will make it ten years, five years, fifty years, a hundred years, but at some point, time will end for us and and we'll be stuck, so to speak, but not God. God lives outside of time and even encompasses time. That's why God can say to me, you're healed, and I don't get it for somewhere down the road. That's why God can say, I've got your life in my hand. But he knows that everything I go through has an end in time here, and he's encompassed it all. He covers it up. That changes everything for me. All of a sudden, I recognize that I don't have to worry about the future because God encompasses time. I can just believe God is. In the beginning, always has been, always will be. And Abraham, chapter 4, verse 2 of Romans says, Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, as soon as I put my faith in him, God starts working in my life. As soon as I just admit with my mouth, God is, God will come and change my life. Start listening to me and speaking to me and credit to me as a relationship with him. That's all Abraham did. Abraham just believed God. Just think about that. Didn't have a Bible. Didn't have an Old Testament, no Torah to read from. Abraham was preceded all those things that we can do. He didn't even have a Bible app. I mean, there weren't a hundred translations. He just looked up in the heavens and said, something created this. Something made this that was an intelligent being, and I think he wants to know me. I believe he's there. And God said, I'm going to give you a relationship because you believe in me. It's as simple as that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 is a great passage. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Four simple little phrases, eight words. I believe, God is, I seek, He rewards. Those four words are powerful because they make me realize that if I will cry out to God, He will always answer me may not always be the answers I want, but He will always answer. Always. We have to begin to believe that maybe God is the creator of the world. In fact, I'm positive of it. I can trust it. In fact, most people who don't want to believe that God is not the creator of the world, and they reject intelligent design or doing it because they know if they ever admit God created the heavens and the earth, they would be accountable to him. It would immediately change the focus of their life because if you ever believe there is a God that created the earth, then I was created for a purpose and for a reason. And all of a sudden, if not my own, and I can't make my own rules, and I can't do what I want to do, I have to surrender to the one who created me and gave me the design to be who I'm supposed to be. That changes everything when I believe God. And they're mostly, please forgive me, I don't want to, I don't, let me say that differently. Some, some scientists who who are so against creation are just atheists in, in disguise because they don't want to believe God. They don't want to believe there's a God. They want to live out their life like they want to live it. They want to do what they want to do. They want to be what they want to be. They want to live in a hedonistic society without retribution or out any subjection to a holy, righteous, pure, complete God. They just want to reject that and do their own thing. Yet he's the creator of all things. Everything emerged out of him. Nothing was made that was not made by him. In the last count, I just read this the other day. In the last count, a human body—I'm sure mine's typical. When I was 16, I was six foot two. Now that I'm over 40, I'm six foot six foot and three quarters. So I've actually shrunk a inch and a quarter over these last 30 years. Okay, 40 years maybe even 50 years. I've already said once I've been preaching 50 years, so it messes me up. But this is what they say about a typical human body that I have 37.2 trillion cells, 50 different kinds. Let's stand back from that for a second. This body has point Five trillion, two trillion cells, 50 different kinds of cells, all intact, all alive, all systems that live within itself, yet come together to make me look like I look and cause me to be uniquely me that no one else has. There are some people that are good looking and they have some attributes like mine. You know what I'm saying, Byrne? I'm just telling you, each is independent. They live by themselves, yet together they have the distinct qualities that make me human. And not only that, there's like seven systems within this body that all do different things, and every one of them has the same DNA that's different than yours. Tell me that just happened. It didn't just happen. God created man. God created every living, being, and everything that's not living. It all emerged out of him. Get this passage. I got a little preachy there. Please forgive me. I'm trying not to do that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, and God said, 'Now I am the Lord thy God. I change not. But he said, then God said, let us Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, created them. He created them, male and female, he created them. Sounds pretty significant, doesn't it? God made me in His image. That's why I always say God's nose is as big as New Jersey because He gave me a big nose. I look like my father. I'm sure he's got a receding forehead, line, foreline, hairline, whatever that thing is. I'm sure he's got one. I'm just telling you, there's just something about that passage that changes everything. I don't choose what gender I am. I'm either male or female. God created me that way. I can trust it that I'm not a mistake. I can grow up believing that God made me who I am. Just an interesting little thing. Kind of cute, actually. Please forgive me if it sounds crusty, but it's not. I, I have a grandson's named Matthias, and I have, I have three granddaughters. Well, the three granddaughters are the oldest ones, and my daughter-in-law wanted a boy. That was her first plan in life, was to have the oldest child be a boy. Ah, uh, God... Was laughing at her, because the first three were all girls. She tried to make them into tomboys by dressing them like little boys, but they didn't want that. They wanted pink, they wanted dresses, and they wanted frillies in their hair. But when the little boy was born, he's never wore pink in his life. He'd never put it on. They tie, put a tie on him the other day. He took it off. I'm a man. He he wants trucks. He wants cars. He goes raw, 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 at you because he's a boy. They were so completely what they are. It's it's a crime when people try to make something out of us that we are not. Don't let anybody talk you into that. God created us, male and female, in his image. We are special in his eyes. And yet God created us with the capacity to sin. I had to throw this in because there's no reason for Jesus to come and provide salvation for people who don't need to be saved. So, this passage says in Romans 3, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The first two people ever put on the earth were placed in the Garden of Eden, a place of eternal life. They could eat of the tree of eternal life. They could live forever, chose to sin, sin against God. But God, before He ever created the universe, was sending Christ to die in our place so that we could have salvation. God knew we would choose. God knew He would give us the right to choose. He knew we would choose sin but before we could ever be created and put on the face of the earth God was saying I'm sending Jesus to die for you and and he looked up one day this this young man named Nathaniel and he said there's the the lamb of God he's coming to take away the sin of the world and before the foundation of the world he was the lamb slain in other words God's not bothered by sin because he sent Jesus to die in my place for my sins. Though he created me and gave me a plan, he's the one who set up the capacity for us to be forgiven of our sins and to be cleansed from our sins and to live our life victorious in him. Let me tell you some things the creation does for us. The first one is this. Because of creation, God has a plan for my life. God's got a claim on me. I mean, God's got a right to say, I created you. I put you on this earth. I made you who you are. I made you distinctly you. You've got fingerprints that no one else has. We recognize one another by our looks. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's just overwhelming. You'll get that in a minute. God gave some people bald spots and others he gave hair. That was supposed to be funny, but <laughs> Pastor Monty got it. I'm not sure about anybody else. But see, God has a claim on my life because he created me. Light and life, he says, originated from him. The true life, like everyone, was coming into the world. God has offered us illumination by believing in him. Isn't it the saddest thing in the world when you meet someone who believes that they are all there is? and that life is done when they turn out the lights and die? Have you ever been in a room with someone who died that didn't know anything about God? I've been in the room with several people when they died. I was there when a lady, her heart was just beating so perfectly in sinus rhythm, and all of a sudden it stopped, and it went... They come running in. I was watching the monitor. Her family said, "Oh no, she's going to be with the Lord. Let her go." I just prayed for her. That made me feel good. If you missed that, I had just prayed for her and she died. That was my point there. <laughs> I had one little girl I went to see in the hospital one time, and when she saw me, she started screaming and hollering because she thought I only came when people died. <laughs> That's the truth, guys. I'm telling you. They had to calm her down. I had to leave the room, <laughs> she was sure she was going to die if her pastor was there. See, God has a claim on my life. That's why sometimes He's speaking to us, and He's calling us, and He's drawing us all the time because he has a claim on my life. He created me, he made me, he made me with purpose. He made me with life. He illuminated me so I could see. And then check this next thing is if God created the heavens and the earth, then God is sovereign. God's a sovereign being. In fact, he has total sovereignty over the whole world and over every human being. You say what does that mean? Sovereignty just simply means that God can make the rules And then act accordingly. That's all it is. God can make the rules and then act accordingly. So when God's made the rules, he gave you the ability to choose. Said, I will not overstep your choices. If you want to not serve me, I can let you not serve me. You will pay the consequences for it. It won't be fun, but I can let you. But God is sovereign. He makes the rules and he enforces them. Sin's always destructive, even after I'm a Christian. If I continue to live in sin, it destroys me. doesn't mean my soul may not go to heaven. just means that sin is destructive in every case. It always deteriorates us. It always destructs us. It always hurts us. Whatever is not right by the Creator that He has declared to be sin, it's not there because He doesn't want you to have fun. He's there because He doesn't want you to be destroyed. That's why he placed those rules in our lives and calls it sovereignty. And when I submit to God and say, God, you are my creator, you are my savior, you are my Lord, I can and will serve you. When I make that kind of decision, God will come alongside me and cleanse me from my sin and give me eternal life. Sovereignty. Light and life flow out of him. God always calls him into himself. Always. The light shines in the darkness. The light shines into the darkness. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. To all who believe on his name. I just love this next picture. I think it's a Michelangelo painting. But it's just God. God wasn't asking us to reach up and grab him. He was reaching down to get us. He's the one who is constantly calling us to Himself. That's what Jesus was doing when He came to the earth and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us or made His dwelling among us or pitched His tent toward the world. He lived among us so that He could die in our place. It was in Him that the light shined into the darkness. It was in Him the only begotten of the Father that's full of grace and truth. It was always Him, always will be Him, always. God's always reaching down to get a hold of us. I want to leave you with three quick thoughts that you can take home with you. They're simple. First thing I would suggest that you do is begin to live your life from a biblical worldview that you will accept the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead and that his Father and he were the creator of all things and that everything that's ever been was created by him. No one on the face of the earth was born out of some kind of obscurity or weirdness. God created all of us and all of us, all of us have his image in us. Now, if you want to believe you marched out of a primordial slime um, 150 billion years ago i'm okay with that if you want to believe that you somehow evolved from an ape i know some people act that way i understand that but they but they're not apes in fact guys there are no trans species they just go out and think about what i'm saying there aren't any there's no fossil record of trans species in other words, they just jump from this, this animal who lives in the trees and goes, oh, oh, oh. That, that kind of animal just suddenly one day became man. No, it's not there. They're just not there. Don't let people lie to you and tell you all that garbage. It's so much easier to believe God created the heavens and the earth and created male and female, he created them. It's so much simpler to say God put everything on the earth. And when I walk outside and look at the world today, I realize God's real. I mean, when I look up into the stars, guys, we're still, stars are still being created because God's always creating. We're finding new stars. Why? Because they're so far away, the light's just now getting to us. I wish we could see them all. I make this sound so easy, but it's really that simple. A biblical worldview, Christ, God created man. We are fallen. We need a Savior. Christ was reconciling men unto himself, not counting men's sins against them. That's why we send missionaries to the world. That's why on Sunday people are asked to give their life to Christ. That's why you and I give and send a missionary to another country that doesn't know Christ. Why do we do that? Because we have a biblical worldview that every single person in the world deserves to hear about the Savior who created everything and then came and purchased us back when we failed and, went and got into sin and purchased back. I know, I know, the Bible says, I know my Redeemer lives. Well, it's Jesus Christ. He's the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead. And then the second thing I would suggest is God will cause men and women to his plan. Remember, we're not the light. I am not the light, and you are not the light. We are witnesses of the light. When he says in John chapter 1, verse 5, I believe it is, it says, And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He said he came as a witness. witness is martyr. He came as a martyr. Two, for the light. He was not the light, but he came as a martyr for the light, that all men through him might believe. He said he was not the light, but the true light that lighteth every man was coming into the world. We know that's Jesus Christ, and he calls every one of us to be martyrs for him. He calls everybody to give up everything to follow him. I know some people think we ought to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and that we never have a problem after we get saved. That's just not biblical. And that everybody gets 70 or 80 or 90 years. That's just not biblical. When I give up my life to Christ, he calls me to die. And his death, for me, might be young. Okay, I'm not young now, so I guess it wasn't for me. My point is this. John the Baptist finished his course, ran it, did what he was supposed to do. And what happened to John the Baptist? He absolutely lost his head when he was 30 years old. All at the will of God, by the way. Don't let people cock you into that. When you give your life to Christ, he's got a plan for your life, and it might not be the way some people purvey it. We're martyrs. Christ is the only true light. He's the only one that has the right to choose. And when I give my life to God, he said, if any man would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and come and follow me. Guys, when I deny myself and take up a cross, you know what a cross is? It's an instrument of death and pain. I don't even like this kind of preaching. I don't know why I got there. Who wants to talk about death and pain? Pastor Monty. But the fact is, is Jesus suffered so I could have life. And he has a plan for my life. I was always willing to go any place he wanted me to go. I hadn't made it to all the places I'd like to go. I'm just telling you. He's got a plan for your life if you'll surrender to him. The second, third thing I would suggest today as we close, kind of. He said, ultimately, God calls all of us to be sons and daughters. Verse 12. Guys, this is, what the re- this is what creation is about. It's what creation is about. God calls all of us to be sons and daughters, but we have to believe. We have, we have to make the decision. Listen to what he says. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, children of God. To as many as believe on his name. Ultimately, God calls us to be sons and daughters in the kingdom. Ultimately, God has a plan for our life. Ultimately, God wants us to go share the gospel with every creature. Ultimately, God wants us to believe that every person was created in his image and that every person deserves to know Christ.